On this episode of The Career Musician, we have Andy Wood, shredder guitar extraordinaire. Andy has toured with the likes of Gary Allen, Low Cash, Rascal Flatts, Scott Stape, and Sebastian Bach. Looking for an outlet for styles other than rock, Andy is known for blurring the lines of preconceived genres and is also a founding member of the rock group Down From Up. And they have toured with Seven Dust, Drowning Pool, and Ten Years. Andy is also the founder and host of the Woodshed Guitar Experience, which is a guitar camp featuring some of the planet's craziest shredders that you do not want to miss, so be sure to check that out as well. Also, this episode with Andy is on YouTube, the actual Zoom video, so you can see him noodling around on his guitar as we talk, and we have a little jam feature at the end. Without further ado, this is Andy Wood on the Career Musician Podcast. Andy Wood, welcome to the Career Musician Podcast. woo what up, Nomad? <laughs> All right. You know, I was thinking about it, bro. We met in 2013, I want to say. At I don't know the year, but I know the location. The Guitar Summit. Guitar Summit, yeah. That's right. Kevin Wilson. Big shout out to Kevin Wilson and his vision. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's where I met you and met LaTerry. That's right. And, uh, Sharky and all that crowd, man. Man, that is awesome. Yes, you know what? I'm so glad you mentioned that. We got to get Lettieri and, and Sharky on the show as well, so that'll be great. Yeah, dude. I'm doing, um, we're doing my camp at the end of the month, and Lettieri's going to be on that. So we've done, a lot of, we've done a lot of gigs together. We've done um, some of my Elements of Sound shows, and those have been real fun with, like, we've had Paul Gilbert on one. We've had Andy Timmons on several, so... No shortage of firepower on those gigs. <laughs> Dude, well, I, I am just a spectator in those in those circles, man. You know, I mean, the guitar shreddery that you're talking about is like, whew, that's, it, it, it just, uh, fretboards ablaze, like you said. <laughs> Love it, dude. Yeah, so, man. So, so let's start off with that because it's perfect. It's coming up soon, your camp. So tell us about the woodshed, you know, the, the I'm sorry, you, you go. Oh, yeah, I mean, you nailed it, dude. You nailed it. Uh, so the camp is called the Woodshed Guitar Experience. Yep. Um, we do it in Lake Francis, Tennessee, which is this beautiful lakefront, beachfront property, campground, a whole deal. And uh, it's, I say camping, but it's like glamping. You know, it's like camping with yes. Wi-Fi. You know I what like I mean? That. It's like, I like no sleeping bags, no tents or anything <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. But it's really, it's three-day event. Um, we We have, I like to... Like when the when the guy that owns the property came to me about maybe using my brand and stuff to partner and do it together, the one stipulation that I said was I I get to pick the artist. Like I, I get to put the bids in on who we want. Like that's and now you do give me that and then we're good. So the thing that I wanted was really, man, I wanted to build the event and the type of roster that I would want to go to. You know, just build it from a fan's point of view because I mean you and I, and I think everyone that plays the guitar professionally still yeah. is a fan. Like we, we still right. love it. Right. So I wanted to just be like, yo man, Brent Mason, Robin Ford, yes. Tim and Terry, Larry Basilio, Greg Cock, Tyler Larson, whose music is wins going to come to a seminar. And, uh, man, you know, like last year we had Joe Bonamassa and it's just like, I, I, I wanted the event to where someone couldn't say, oh, it's a country guitar camp. Oh, it's a jazz guitar camp. Oh, it's a shred guitar retreat. Like, I want to be like, hey, man, this is for music lovers. Like, I start off all of my videos, 
Everything on my channel is hello music lovers, not hello metal lovers, not hello jazz lovers, like music. Like I have two genres, the good and the bad. There's my genres of music. <laughs> you know, I love that. The good and the bad. That is awesome. Yeah, there's the two genres. And for me, it's like I just wanted to build that kind of event. We, um, you know, some of the side things, of course, it's it's what you expect. It's three days of lessons, um, seminars jamming uh concerts we do a full-blown concert we fly a line array and the whole deal at the end of the week and everybody plays their you know three of their signature tunes so you know it's like yeah of course you get brent mason you want him to play hotwire you know it's like everybody like plays their stuff right cool and we have a great house band last year we had jim riley adam nitty and travis toy and this year we've got jim riley travis toy and daniel kimbrough daniel plays with uh jerry douglas and some of that crowd so like uh, you know, it's like as as a fan, I want the rhythm section to be just as burning as the whole is like yeah, the yeah. yeah, it's like everybody's a hero, you know what I mean? I love and then, that. Um, on the property, of course, we have some of that like down home kind of vibe. We've got like jet skis and boats and fishing and ropes courses and all that stuff too. So it's like summer camp for guitar lovers, you know. Wow, but it's August 26, 27, August 26, 27, 28. Registration's open. It's extremely limited. It's not the kind of thing that's going to be two, three hundred people. Like we limited at a hundred people. That's it. Like, yeah, we want it to be like, I mean, you and I know it's like when you go to VIP events. You're lucky to get 20 minutes with three or 400 other people. You know what I mean? Like when, right. when you go to concerts or whatever. This is like, man, you come to our thing and you get the get the experience. Like, well, I want to give you a weekend of hanging out and being able to just hang out with, with the artists. Like, that's the magic to me, you know, kind of that Disney perspective, you know? I love it. I love it. And as you're sitting here talking, you know what? I've never done this before, but I want to do this right now. I want to do like a little uh, video while you're talking about it right here online. And so I can blast it on the story. Yeah, yeah, you awesome. know what I mean. Because now, so the career musician, what we do is we release a new podcast every Monday. So this episode is going to come out Monday. But you got me thinking about doing other stuff. So hold on, let me get my story going. As soon as I get my story, then we'll be talking about this more. All righty. Here we are at Nomad's place, and I have Bam Andy Wood. Hey, what's up? <laughs> the Career Musician Podcast right now live via Zoom. And here's his site. His event is coming up, and I want him to tell you about it. Yeah, it's the Woodshed Guitar Experience. It's three days, Lake Francis, Tennessee, with Robin Ford, Brent Mason, Andy Timmons, Mark Letary, Greg Cock, Laurie Basilio, myself, Tyler Larson, uh, all-star band. It's three days of jamming, seminars, classes, and then concert friday night concert saturday night and and it's happening this august happening in in about three weeks three weeks now it's august 26 27 28 registration is extremely limited we limit it to about 100 people um because we want everyone to get the most value of the time you know what i mean not, not oversaturated so please go and uh get signed up and uh we'll see you in lake francis you know it's gonna be amazing sweet all right, good. Now we got that. I can post that that way. Let me let me just take the time to do it right now, brother. Let's get you happening so it doesn't delay. And I'll, I'll edit the the actual podcast. Oh, look, and Andy's going to give us some some waiting music in between. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, love it. Is there anything else you want me to tag? What's the hashtag you use for the event? 
Um, hashtag Woodshed Guitar Experience or hashtag Andy Wood Music. Woodshed Guitar Experience. Hashtag Andy Wood Music. Yeah. Love it. Oh, I, 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 is that something you're just noodling with? What is that? Uh, see if you can name a tune. Yeah. Okay, it's going to the story. What is that? Keep going, keep going, keep going. Ah, uh, sir. Of me all the time. It's right now by Van Halen. Right now by Van Halen. <laughs> I'm doing it on my Woodshed episode this week, and I've been I've been messing around with like this finger style arrangement. Um, I do a Patreon, and on my Patreon, um, one of the things that the higher tiers get you is a weekly live Zoom masterclass. And uh, in that masterclass, there's Q and A, and you know, talking about gear and tone. And this week, somebody was like. How do you think about chord melody? And, and you know, one of the number one questions I get with anything is, how do you practice this? What exercises do you use for right hand? And I, and I always default down to, man, I never did exercises. I learned by learning songs. And Okay, hold on, hold on. You got to pause that. You got to say that again because that is crucial. Yeah. You never did exercises. Never. So okay, but, but 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 here, here's the thing. Hold on, because we have to demystify this. Now, now, listeners, I don't care if you're a guitar player, a drummer, a piano player, a flutist. I don't care what instrument you play. This is very important because this is a paradigm shift for many of us. I was always taught if you want speed and dexterity and prowess overall, you have to play exercises. Never. So, okay, so I just really want to park here for a minute. So now yeah. please expound. Okay, so as a kid, uh, we'll come back to the the Patreon thing. Basically, I had a guy this week saying, how do you think about chord melody? And to me, it's all about finding a tune that you love already. Just find a song that you love, right? Mm. And you take the melody line or the bass line, for instance. Uh, another one that I love is... Uh, right? And you know that from... So like find the find the vocal line, right? Another one would be like, um, you know, I like I like Bob Seeger, so I would take 
think about the melody line. It's really like you're thinking about the music and not the guitar part, right? So I used right now as an example. I said one of my favorite songs right now. Let's just use it as an example. So I transcribed the arpeggios in the class. The uh And and like there's nobody that's I've seen on YouTube like playing that piano intro on guitar or whatever. So I did the did the transcription for the class and now I'm going to put that on Woodshed and the whole Woodshed episode this week is going to be about practicing musicality. Okay. Now jump into what you were talking about. I never learned by playing exercises. One of the number one things I get asked about a lot is right hand technique. I'll, I'll like, I I hate you. I hate you. Stop. Like, or the cross picking thing. I get asked about that a lot. Those kind of things. So I got good at playing right hand technique, but playing mandolin as a kid, and I never learned exercises. I learned tunes. Like I was always playing fiddle tunes with my granddad, and my granddad would play things like Beaumont Rag. Or like whiskey before breakfast, or a billion low ground. Uh. So my right hand technique got good at the challenge that presents itself to most guitar players, which is jumping from outside picking to inside picking and switching back and forth. That's really where the problem is, and that's why most guitar players love things. Um, to be two notes per string the whole time, or they love it to be three notes per string the whole time and never shift. So one of the things, one of the first things I do, I'm like, hey man, when you look at a fiddle tune, um, like Beaumont Rag, uh, you're constantly switching the amount of notes per string. You know, like um, all of those fiddle tunes have that, like. Okay, so, so, so pause it kind of licks too. Pause right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pause right there because I would say five years ago, maybe before you had all of this online uh, content like up and running so beautifully. Uh -huh as you do now. I think I uh, texted you or called you and said, Andy, how do I play, uh, you know, mandolin, I'm, uh, you know, fiddle, uh, you know, bluegrass, flat picking. I said, what do I need to study for that? And you yeah. were like, oh man, you know, well, I'll jump on. We never got around to it, but you yeah, did. The answer is, the answer is every fiddle tune from Kenny Baker or um, <laughs> okay. Bobby, uh, you know, like who all was in that scene, like Chubby Wise. It's basically every fiddle player that played with Bill Monroe. Bill Monroe's the father of Bluegrass, Flatten Scruggs, any fiddle player that worked with them. And now out of the, you know, the modern, really hot new cats, well, I mean, I'm saying new as in the past 30, 40 years, is like, you know, Mark O'Connor, Stuart Duncan, Aubrey Haney is a freak, man. Like, these are the cats that took fiddle to the next level. Um, and learning those fiddle tunes, those traditional fiddle, fiddle tunes that were on those Bill Monroe records, that's where I learned alternate picking. And then I'm a big banjo fan. So like learning Bela Fleck style things on the guitar, um, like learning, there was a Don Reno tune. Um, 
Dixie Breakdown. Uh, 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 like all of those kind of banjo-y rolls. Like all of, learning all those banjo-y kind of things really helped me develop my right-hand technique to where like when I did discover things like Steve Morse, uh, those type of licks weren't as, yeah, weren't as, weren't as impossible. Yeah. So like it's like all of that stuff was built from learning banjo stuff. And 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 it's one thing that I always talk about too is like again, it's going scoping out, getting away from just guitar and putting your fingers down first and then trying to let your ears catch up. Yeah. Learn stuff from other instruments, you know. So and, how okay, so bluegrass, like all of that all of that perspective come from bluegrass. So when I went to other genres, the perspective stayed the same. So I like I listened to like Pavarotti or I listened to Hans Zimmer. Right. And I'm trying to learn melody lines that aren't played on this. So okay, I, I love that. I love that approach. Um, I, I I ascribe to that same theory of listen to everything else but guitar, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and especially melody. So I love that. Uh, so you're saying you didn't practice exercises. I love that too. So you just really cut your teeth on these standard bluegrass tunes. Uh, you really nailed flat picking, cross picking, uh, uh, and even some banjo type techniques. How often, two questions. This is a two-part question. Mm -hmm. How often did you practice from the time you really started to get serious serious? Uh -huh. You know, to really become a professional career musician, and uh -huh. how how much time do you practice now? Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to give you the cliche answer that <laughs> everybody says. I don't practice. Yeah, I <laughs> just play the music. Like I just sit down and I look at it. Like I'm a big video gamer too. Um, you play enough games, specifically fighting games or first person shooters or whatever, you innately get better at it because you like to do it and you're just playing it a lot, right? Guitar and music is like that for me. Like it's playing the guitar. It's not working the guitar. It's not practicing the guitar. Um, I did go to school at UT for a couple of years, a year and a half or so, maybe two years, can't remember, um, for jazz. And I still learn. Practicing and learning aren't the same thing, in my opinion. Learning and playing the guitar is the thing. So like if, I t if I'm working on something, and I don't know what that might be off the top of my head, but like, yeah, like, like the Van Halen thing. Like, of course I'm going to sit and in a lot of people's perspective, it would be practicing, but I am actually listening. I'm trying to listen at, do I want to play it here or do I want to play it here or I want to play it here? Yeah. Uh, like how, how, like those are the things that I fall down the rabbit hole on and I'm having fun. It's become a game to me. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right, right, so, right. like the practice aspect in the traditional mindset yeah. falls into this lane. Here, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, I just did the John Petrucci thing at, at the the camp, right? And I was one of the artists out there. I had a lot of guys in the room that were like, "Man, I'm you know I'm practicing these modes and scales three hours a day, and I'm not seeing any improvement." And I'm like, "Well, you're never practicing creativity. You're never playing music. It's essentially like." 
memorizing, ev- trying to memorize every word in Webster's dictionary and then thinking that's going to allow you to speak English. Like you may have all of the tools, but if you're not forming sentences, and that's how people become bilingual by just moving to another country. How'd you learn to speak German? Well, I've lived here for six years. And so I'm surrounded by hearing it. That's uh, another common misconception is people are like, what do, I, what do I need to know to practice country guitar and telly chicken picking licks? I love those licks that you do. I'm like, well, how much telly chicken picking are you listening to? <laughs> Who are your top eight favorite telly chicken pickers? And if you don't know two, there's your problem. There's not a mechanic. You, you, there's not a thing that you can do to absorb the music if you aren't listening to it. I love that. And you, you have to, you have you to listen. To. Yeah, and that's, that's the first thing that they teach you in jazz when you're studying jazz. If you're not listening to jazz 24-7, you're you not, you not going to ingest it. Yeah, yeah, Dude, that goes to metal. Like, le- like one of my friends is Mark Lewis, and he produces a lot of really big metal records. I mean, like Cannibal Corpse, like, like big records. And, you know, metal and jazz, whichever language of music you choose to speak, it all requires the same basic fundamental. Mm-hmm. You have to absorb the music. You have to listen to it. You can't like like take a guy that knows every Charlie Parker tune on the planet, and he spends every Sunday. And you say, okay, man, you can obviously play your butt off. You got all this technique. You got all this harmonic knowledge. Okay, I need you to go in. We're going to do this Metallica tribute record, and you're going to do Sad But True. If he doesn't listen to me, it's going to sound not great. That sounds and, awesome. and that's an understatement. You know what I mean? And you can invert that. You can take the telly guy, and if he's never listened to Parker, and yeah. you say, we're going to play Scrap of the Apple or whatever, it's, it's going to tank. You yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. And that's the thing. You have to listen to whatever it is. And a lot of people ask me a lot, how do you get good at a lot of different genres? I was like, I just love a lot of different music. Yeah. I just love to listen to music. And inspiration never really turns off when I'm walking through Disney World at a theme park. Like I just I went to Disneyland while I was out there in California. It's like I'm hearing all this awesome music, you know, and like uh, 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 uh. Like, I mean, right. I haven't, I haven't right. ever tried to play that, but I'm pulling it from memory because yeah. it's the ears, right? Like that's the thing. And uh. when I watch movies, if the music sucks, that, that equates to the music, the movie not being any good. You know what I mean? It's like right. those Hans Zimmer soundtracks. Those Danny El- Danny Elfman is a massive influence. Like yep. I love Danny Elfman's work, and mm-hmm. like that has nothing to do with being a guitar player, but it has to do with listening. And then when you go to play guitar and you hear those chord changes that he uses, it's like really cool stuff. A lot, a lot of parallel shifts there, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it, it, it makes it fun. Again, it goes back to like when I go to put this on guitar, it now becomes fun. Video game music, you know, anything. Like I said, I listen to so much different music all the time. And maybe that's the problem. I'm just going down the buffet and not committing to anything. I'm just like, <laughs> no, that's from everything. That's, that's great. And, and it's funny you mentioned Danny Elfman. I worked with him on Men in Black 3. I played guitar on that score. And his studio is out here in LA. And when you go to his studio, it reflects exactly what you're saying. Really, any any major composer, like I'm the same way, and I'm sure you are too. We just have instruments from all over, every kind of instrument you can imagine. And when you go to Danny's studio, he has giant uh, taiko drums, those big you know, uh, drums from the, the islands down there in the Pacific. And, 
he has these weird artifacts and instruments that you're just like, holy crap, where is this from? And again, it's because that eclectic palette, you want to take everything in and then he takes- You want to hear it. Like you see yeah. that in the room, you're like, exactly. can I get that? Can I can play I that? Can I just hit it? <laughs> like that's the, that's the joy that I think gets lost because of the way we guitar players, specific to, specific to us. Mm. I think a lot of time our downfall is we're so eager to put our hands on the instrument and play where people are like, man, I just feel like I'm keep on repeating myself. I'm playing the same licks over and over. I'm like, well, man, like when you go to play the guitar, you have you got a key in mind before you put your hands down? Have you got a time signature in mind before you put your hands down? Have you decided is your seventh going to be, you know, major seven or dominant seven? Like make these decisions before you touch the guitar. Yeah. And then that will lead you to a new place. When you say, Hey man, I play rock licks in four, four and it's like a pentatonic stuff. I'm like, okay, let's play an E flat. Now you have a major seven, you know, it's like, and now you're forced to do different things because it's all of a sudden, none of the things that you were doing fit with this thing. That's right. To listen to something else. I love that. And I, I love that. Now that's a great example. I do that sometimes too. You do that. And then you figure out like you slightly brushed up against the open E, right? So normally you would think, well, how that doesn't work, but how about now you figure out a way to make it work? So you go, and then you go, right? And then you keep right? You know, and you're like, so love that, yeah. Yeah, and it, again, it goes back to like just listening, like like taking the time to listen and let the music come from here first and not these first. Yeah. And usually the things that you're looking for, and I this ties into the technique thing, I got like fast and clean at guitar playing as a byproduct of what I initially wanted to do, which was I just wanted to be precise and I wanted to get a good tone. Like I, I wanted the guitar to innately resonate well when I play and it sound good. And as a byproduct, working through different things, that made me like cleaner and it's almost like it's like the speed became a byproduct the speed became a byproduct of being in control mm -hmm. control is the most important thing going fast will happen innately you know it's very much like race car drivers right right like the speed's a byproduct of just being in control of the movements i love that love that okay all right so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This is how the man practices. He doesn't practice exercises, and he doesn't practice at all. He listens, and he plays. I love it. I love it. And you know what? I, I again, can relate to that. People ask me, do you practice? Man, to be honest with you, I haven't sat down and practiced in years. In years, I, right? I don't even remember what that's like. So, so uh, that's like, when I think of practice, I think of the first times you get a guitar, and you can't make the F chord. Yeah. <laughs> like that is practice. Like once your hands can become, because essentially these are the hammers, like in a piano. Yeah. Your fingers. Like, this, right. this is the hammers. This is what's actually touching the string. Once you can fret the strings, the practice is kind of the, the practice is done. It's now time to figure out where they go and what, what you're going to, what decisions you're going to make. It's now it's time to let the creative control come into play. And I think that's how you get guys that become freakishly great players and reinvent the entire world and not really know what they're doing. Eddie Van Halen. He's one of my biggest influence. He might be, you know, my, he's in my top three most influential of all time of all time. Right. Yeah. And it's like, 
he didn't really, he wasn't super aware of everything that he was doing, but it's like, this was just cranked up to a million Mm -hmm. and he just was listening all the time and created things that, I mean, I think he knew a little bit of what he was doing, but I think it was more about just looking for the right chord tones without the vernacular, without the grammar to know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Without, without analyzing each separate move. Just, and yeah, just, on, yeah, just yeah. listening and being like, oh, I think this will be a fun sound. And I think that's where all the... Uh, looking for different, literally different sounds. Right. Not just playing the guitar the same way that you're supposed to conventionally play the guitar. You know, it's like that experimental thing, that childlike experimentation on the instrument leads to better playing and better musicianship versus taking um, and doing that in every key that moves up a minor third for like six hours a day. You're basically only going to get good at playing that. (laughs) Mm, That is so interesting you say that. A lot of the players that you have associated with, you know, throughout your camps or your clinics or just in, in the professional world, ascribe to that paradigm and they still get really good like for one you mentioned paul gilbert now i remember having his instructional videos back in the day where he he would tell you to do the right and then i'm like okay i can kind of play that but how do do i move on yeah (laughs) right exactly you just did it so but and, and steve i was the same way where he had this regimented practice plan where he played the modes in all 12 keys and then he would play the intervals like you just did and you know and then you'd play fourths and then fifths and it's just like oh my gosh so what gives? Yeah. So where did it where did it come off the rails? Is because Steve I was practicing and subscribing to creativity, right? In his own time, in I believe that because how do you get passion and warfare? How do you get flexible without his, without treating cre- treating the creative moment and looking for the sound and looking for these weird sounds and these weird effects to right. make something happen? Uh, versus. When that era was happening, I'm a big believer in a lot of these guys were learning to teach after they could play. So they were form formalizing things that they that could be put into print mm-hmm. because magazines were ever that could be put into REH licks. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Versus like when you watch the Sean Lane video, which is one of my favorites, the the black. Yes. Uh, that that one. Sean Lane, that guy was a trailblazer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very fragmented to watch him teach. You can tell that teaching is not a thing. And they're like, okay, he played this. Let's transcribe it and put it in the book that comes with it. And you could tell that like his teaching was very not refined. It wasn't for because he, he got to where he was by a different way. And then he was like put into an environment where they're like, Hey, you're Sean Lane. You should do a video. Does that make sense? Like they got put into a teaching environment versus not being teachers first. You know, they were like players first, you know? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. It's another one. Like it's very fragmented. Like when you watch the Brent one, yeah. he's like one of the great answers he gives. One of my favorite quotes. He's like, I don't know, man. I'm just kind of popping and flipping them strings. <laughs> like, wow, dude, you just really got there from listening to music and Gary Reed and looking right. for a sound and listen. Like, like when I think of Brent, it's like if Jerry Reed and George Benson just like merged and like made this like super telly player that yeah. can do all this bop stuff. Like that's where he lives, and you can tell that. 
he probably listened to a boatload of Benson and probably listened to a boatload of Jerry Reed. You yeah. know what I mean? Without even having to read an interview with him for him to tell you that, <laughs> you know? That's so true. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Really I really knows. That. I mean, to be a fly on the wall in some of these people's careers, I'd love to know the real answers behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. That's beautiful. Okay, let's rewind a little bit. You mentioned earlier, I don't want to drop this because you mentioned it, and I would love to hear more about it. And for all those uh, nerdy guitar players out there like us, uh, your Patreon deal, tell us about that. So Patreon has been a cool platform for me because there's two things that social media has done since it's got really big. One is it doesn't allow everyone who's to subscribe to you to see your content. Like you can have 100,000 followers on Instagram, and when you post a video, only a fraction of those followers will actually see it, right? Crazy. Versus Patreon, which is a, it is a subscription, paid subscription, but everyone who pays to get in the door sees everything you post. That's super valuable, right? Mm. So I do, at a $5 tier, I do, um, you get access to all the Patreon exclusive videos. They can range all over the place, like uh, lesson stuff, gear stuff. I have over 200, 250 videos on there. That's that's for that tier. At ten dollars, you get that plus access to our private Discord server. The same thing with Facebook, right? It got so big that like you can't really communicate without it just like sometimes missing something. Discord is a way that I can provide a platform for everyone in my Patreon to chat and not feel like the public is on them. And like for instance, if they want to post videos of them that maybe they wouldn't feel comfortable posting on Instagram or Facebook, but they want feedback. Like it's created a really cool environment. So you get that at the $10 tier. At the $25 tier, you get access to our weekly Zoom masterclasses. And those run for about two hours, Q&A. Like I, sometimes I'll just put on backing tracks and do like a little concert or whatever. Like it's really fun. We'll put on like when the new Steve Lukather record came out, we listened to it as a group and like paused it and did moments like, oh, look, just let's transcribe that lick real quick. You know, there's a lot of that kind of thing. And then at the higher tiers, the 50 and the 100, basically it allows you to control the content that comes out on my channels. So like if you're at one of the big, big boy tiers, the 100, that means like, Andy, do a woodshed episode on this topic. And hey, no problem. Like it, it, it's, it's essentially allowing um, people and subscribers to gain that next level of access that typically only comes with, you know, guitar lessons and I, I mean if you want to take a lesson from me it's great but it's expensive you know to buy me for an hour this is is not the cheapest way to what's do you, what's your hourly rate uh, 150 okay yeah I'm, I'm the same i do the same thing so i totally it's get universal. it universal yeah and, and but for a hundred dollars a month you get discord you get four zoom live master classes it's like really it's the better deal it is and, uh, and, and it's because i want to um i really want to be a community hub and it not be about Oh, let's, here's Andy's thing that he's going to give us every week. We're going to get a new transcription, a new tab. It's like, man, it's not like that. Like it's a community hub. Yes. There's tabs. Yes. There's backing tracks. There's all the things that you want, but that's almost like a side dish. The main course is the exclusivity. It's the community. It's like, Hey Andy, what are you up to today? What video are you going to play? Man, what are you listening to today? And then we'll just take the topic and run with it. You know, hey, I love what it. What kind of page are you on? You know, stuff like that. And that creates an environment for for the people in Patreon to interact with each other. Hello, music lovers. I am Andy Wood, and you are listening to The Career Musician with Nomad. Blasting the stereotype of musicians. Follow us at The Career Musician Podcast. <laughs>
Help us continue to provide you with new and engaging content by getting our ratings up. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I love it. Now, I just went there. So listeners, patreon.com slash forward slash Andy Wood Music. Really simple. I love the, the, the naming, the branding. The $5 per month is called Guitar Cable. The $10 is Stomp Box. The $25 is Combo Amp. Now we're ramping up. The $50 is Full Stack. And here we go. You ready? Drum roll, please. The $100 per month is Monster Rig of Doom. Yeah, that's so- the Bradshaw switcher and the Wet Dry Wet. And- <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Now, for those of you who don't know what Andy said, uh, us guitar nerds again, especially out here in the LA session scene, there was a guy named Bob Bradshaw, and he would build these giant rack rigs, those half refrigerators and the full refrigerator racks that you see that was the nickname they gave him well bradshaw built these rigs for all of the best of the best players from eddie van halen on on down and then when andy also just said wet dry wet what he means is uh, a a cabinet with your wet affected signal on the left a dry cabinet with no effects in the middle and then another wet cabinet on the right with, with all a different time so with you, a different you, time the, yeah the classic thing would be like the 300 500 350 yes. yeah like like those hey man i still use those numbers to this day like when i go into a session i'll do 350 500 or 3 375 500 anywhere in that range to where It'll dotted eighth against itself, and about the third repeat, they'll line up together, and that's when I, I that's how I mix it. It's like when the third hits, that's the last one you hear, and it allows you. Here's the thing that I've discovered is like, if you're recording in a DAW to a song that's you know tempo locked, like you've got 120 BPM, and you turn on your stock Logic delay, the delay will be at 120 BPM, and as long as no other instruments are playing, you have delay. Mm-hmm. The problem is, here's where it gets tricky. The moment you have a drummer, that delay is going to fall on a kick or a snare or a hi-hat or something. And that delay, you have to crank it up so loud to cut through the mix. When you use numbers that aren't tempo locked to the doll, you can have less mix and hear the delay more. That's right. Right. And so it's been a great tool for me over the years in building depth without turning into mush mm-hmm. you know the guitar could still punch through but you've got that width and that stereo image and that like oh man i'm in an arena kind of feel without it being just soaked you know what i mean i love that and for those of you listening who don't know exactly what he means you can do more just do a google search on delay and how to use delay for guitars or in the studio and it'll go more in depth and i love it when you say those numbers so you can really dial in those sounds i mean what i love here is that everything we're talking about you can do a deep dive search on online, you know, (laughs) but we're getting the, 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 you know, the overview here. So moving right along, I love the Patreon. I love the woodshed. uh, And then you told us how you practiced and how you came up. Now I want to talk about how the hell did you become a career guitarist, a career musician? Because that is something that I, you know, obviously I'm I'm a huge, you know, uh, supporter and proponent of, we make a living out of playing music. Now, there's two sides to that. Some people look at us and say, wow, you're so lucky. That's amazing. I can't believe you get to do that. And they're right. It's a blessing, right? My father always used to say, it's a blessing and a curse. The downside is, yep. boy, you sometimes you just don't know where that next gig, that next check right. is coming from. That's so right. 
talk about how you transitioned from being that that little mandolin flat picker bluegrass guy into like this budding huge you know guitar force of a career musician man um you know i i came up playing in 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 theaters in pigeon forge in my teenage years so pigeon forge is like branson pigeon forge they're like vegas without the gambling <laughs> you know what i mean so you get the you get the casino style shows um usually owned by big famous people like dolly parton owns most of the ones in pigeon forge right so i was playing in those as a teenager and at night i would finish my evening show at dixie stampede or country tonight or old smoky hoedown or wherever it was and then after that, I would go out and play in bars and clubs. I mean, I was learning, you know, learning trial by fire. Like, I really loved playing in clubs. And like, you know, going into college, man, I was clubbing five nights a week. Any, anywhere that I could get on stage and play and learn. And, and, you know, it amassed that catalog of knowing, having to know 400 songs. Like, I mean, if you wanted to go work, you had to know, you had to know a ton of songs because you might do a country gig on Wednesday. That's 60 country tunes. You might do a rock gig. You might do a frat party at UT on Saturday afternoon, and you need to know, you know, Rocky Top plus forty other songs. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So that was really it, that was really far more important in my retrospective than I realized at the time. At the time, I was just happy to get out and be playing guitar, and like hopefully the chicks dig it. You know what I mean? Kind of it's like you know, you're nineteen year old kid. You know, um, but the transition came when I was uh, in a rock band called Down from Up. We were, you know, trying to find our footing, opening on tours for bands like Seven Dust and Ten Years and things like that. And so I got a good look at the inside of a van touring across the country and like what that world was all about. Um, and there was a producer in town in, in Knoxville that would give me a lot of sessions. He was helping me, you know. His name is Travis Wyrick, and he has a great studio. He's recorded, you know, POD and Pillar and Disciple and all that kind of stuff. And he would always throw me a bone and be like, hey, man, he's, I think he saw something in me, you know, and and was, this is how we're going to do this. This is what it's like to get in this. And he really gave me, like, that that true growing, you know, that chance when I was young. And from there, you know, so much of where I'm at, me and Tom Quill and Martin Miller and all those guys were cusp. We're cusp generation on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. So we all were practicing and making videos before Facebook even was a thing. And we were on Petrucci forum and like, you know, chatting with each other there. And then Instagram and all that stuff blew up, right? So like our careers were right before that, like how many subscribers do you have kind of, kind of mentality, right? Like, so my networking came from more of the old school which was like the being on tour with Seven Dust and you know Clint and those guys just like they, they it, they liked my playing. You know what I mean? We would be opening and they would, hey man, just like, great tonight, great tone, great chops, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I I got a call one time from a guy named Danny that was putting on a benefit for um, uh, I can't who was it? It was a it was a bass player, um for the Deftones, and I can't recall his name right now, but he was in a car wreck, and they were raising, it was a fundraiser for medical bills and things like that, and it was this gig where they had so-and-so from Breaking Benjamin, so-and-so from Seven Dust, so-and-so from Blood, and they needed a house guitar player to cycle when the guy that was famous wasn't the guitar player. So Danny's like, hey, man, will you be like the kind of, ha the stunt guitar player? I was like, sure, that sounds awesome. This would be great. 
So um, got to play with some guys. One of the guys I got to play with was uh, the drummer at the time for Breaking Benjamin and Black Label Society. And uh, he had a gig. He, had, he was on the band. He was the first guy hired for Scott Stapp when Alter Bridge and Scott Stapp, or when, not Alter Bridge, when Creed and Scott went their separate ways. Scott did a record with Howard Benson, producer in, in L.A., and Proof of Life, and they were going to do a tour or whatever, and Chad was on that tour. So Chad was like, hey, man, would you be interested in playing guitar on this tour? Like, yeah, sounds great. So that was my first like really A-list kind of tour. Yeah. And then from there, word of mouth and the internet were both moving at the same time. Mm. So it was before the, the numerics became a thing and it's before there were Mountain Dew and F-150 ads everywhere. It was back when Facebook was like for college kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> so word of mouth and all that stuff was forming at the same time. And um, you and I met and Mark and I met and Travis Toy and I met at Guitar Summit as well. Travis Toy was playing still with Rascal Flats, playing with him for years. And when Rascal Flats decided to change out some members of the band, everybody in the remaining band got to pick a guy to come in and audition. And Travis picked me to come in and audition. And so uh, the audition went really well. And I've worked for those guys on and off for years and uh worked now when gary's doing gary's lead singer he's doing a solo career i'm the guitar player for it and that's where we are today so like that's like now there's plenty of artists in between i work with low cash work with you know gary allen like all kinds of different artists in between but that's like the long and short of how i got from point a to point b it was very grassroots in a lot of ways and just going out and beating the clubs up you know okay see that's that's why i love asking this question because it usually comes down to that and what i try to teach people uh, is that it's all relationship-based. It's it always going to be word of mouth. And as long as you're a good person and you're responsible and reliable and organized and on time and you can play the music and you do your homework and you're a fun hang, it's going to happen. Because I know a lot of people, sometimes they get, they get anxiety about it. They want it to happen so bad and they just don't know what to do. So I want that to be a word of encouragement from Andy and from all the others on this podcast and myself, just just do you, be you and be great and it's gonna happen organically, right? Yin, loving it. Just lo love the love the journey. Yeah. Right, right? And sometimes, and I'm not gonna lie, like I've, I've been frustrated at times where I was just like, man, well, you know, when, when we gonna get this big break with down from up? Hey man, that wasn't my path. I didn't see it at the time. You know what I mean? Like we got almost there. We were like in the label talks and we were right there. And I was I was bummed when we we weren't gonna step into that new thing, but I didn't realize that I had this whole world waiting on the other side. You know what I mean? There you go. And uh, you know you can never force the opportunity. Like you can never force fate to give you that chance at an audition. That's but right. what you can control is your own brand. The most powerful thing we all have in today's digital world is our own brand. I can't be the next Steve Morse. I can't be the next Eddie Van Halen, but I can be the best Andy Wood on the planet. Like I can right. do my thing really well. I and love that's really the thing we have to step out. And, and to quote Steve Vai, uh, his, one of my favorite quotes he's ever said, he said, the best way to sound like me is to sound like you. And I was like, <laughs> you know, was like yeah, that's it. Because, right. you know, as a guy that, that I've played a lot of genres and all my earlier records, 
you know, the songs are like, all right, here's the chicken picking song. It's really fast. And, you know, and here's the more fusiony stuff. And then on my newest record, you know, it's like, it's blended together. There's a lot less of that fragmentation. It's like that all the styles kind of sit. And that's where I trying to carve my own path and be my own me. And that's the most important thing. Any of you viewers can do is look at like, what do you sound like? What is the music in your head that's playing before mm-hmm. you play an instrument? Nice. That's, that's where you walk. Chase that. I love that. Okay, I love that. So so good. So, such inspiring words of wisdom, and it's so true. And I know sometimes people say, man, that's, that's not what I wanted to hear. Well, it's the truth. So sit with it, and, and, and it'll bite you one day. You'll be like, oh, now I get it. The, bulb, the light bulb will go off. Now, I want to park somewhere else real quick. Let's talk about auditions, because you mentioned the audition with Rascal Flatts went really well. Again, uh, auditions perhaps aren't as, uh, they're not traditional in the sense as they used to be. When I did they're my stint. not. They yeah. do not. Like, it's shifted so much in Nashville. I don't know what it's like in L.A., but the Nashville scene, it's gone. Like, from even when I auditioned, that archetype does not exist anymore. I'm so glad you said that. I remember when I auditioned in Nashville, I lived in Nashville for eight years, and I did a couple auditions. We would go to SIR on Cherry Lane, you know, and... And we just, you know, you walk in the room, there's a line of people and you have to wait and, you know, they bring you in. Chance to be like, hey, we're all here for the same gig. Like, yeah. get mad at it. <laughs> and it was the same way here in LA at Center Staging, right here in Burbank, where I live. You, yeah. you, we call them cattle call. There's just a line of cats waiting to go in. I did the same thing, you know, baby face. That's how I got the gig. I did it for countless others. But like you said, that archetype doesn't exist anymore. So shed some light there. Yeah. Tell us what you did to be prepared. Okay. Um, I'll tell you a fun story about the flats thing specifically, then we'll shed some light. My audition went really well. Um, I didn't realize that Jodon actually had one of my solo records before I went in. So I was like, uh, I, I was like, Oh man, well he, he and he told me, he's like, man, I, I love you play. And he goes, whether, whether or not you get the gig, I love you. Play. I was like, ah, Hey man, today's a win. If you know that your name is in the circle, if I had not got that gig, he could have been a referral to a gig that I could have got. So that's re- you know what I'm saying like don't ever think that if you don't get the gig you're auditioning for that you failed. Your name's in the loop. And 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 maybe that wasn't where you're supposed to be, but now you're being, you know what I mean, leave a good impression. So what's funny is the rehearsals went really bad. My first two days of rehearsals were really really bad. Um those records have walls of guitar. It's Dan Huff produced. If you don't know Dan Huff's playing, go get wrecked. Go get giant, put on time to burn, and then check your ego at the door because he's a monster. <laughs> on top of that, he produces and he loves the layering and all stuff. On top of that, Jodon's a great guitar player. So it's just guitar, guitar, guitar. So when I went in for the first couple of days, I had learned, you know, they didn't give us stems to work from. You know what I'm saying? They didn't give us the stems to the sessions. They just like, hey, download this on Spotify. We'll play this one. Yeah, that's a lot harder. (laughs) Hey, it's super hard because when there's four guitar parts, the one you learn is not the one they want to hear. They're like, no, 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 you don't play with that. I was like, which part? Oh, God. You know, by day three, we had got halfway through the set and it had shifted into like, because I was playing utility on the gig. It's playing like mandolin and bazooki and acoustic. By day three, we were doing What Hurts the Most and Mayberry and these songs where I was like, there's one big acoustic guitar part. I know which one I'm supposed to play. So, you know, we got in stride, you know, over that first couple of weeks. But yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how, you know, one thing can go really well. And then over the next couple of days, you're trying to find your footing because 
you're dealing with, you walk into a, a lot of times you walk into a scenario where they've had the same guy for nine years mm. and they don't realize that they're used to hearing him do this one specific part. And who knows where that even started? Cause they've been playing it for nine years. Like who knows why that part was even, you don't know, you know what I'm saying? You never know a family's back history. So which when you're a new guy, it's like being the new stepdad, you know, it's like, Hey, go put the ball in the yard. Try, what do you, you want know? to do kids? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but, but luckily, um, props to Jim Riley for riding me really hard those first couple of days. And then also for like, Help, helping it level out later on. And, and, you know, here we are still, still to this day working together, which is really, really a great, wholesome kind of thing to say. Now that's and, awesome. That is, but hold on. I want to park yeah. there again because I really like what you just said. Jim r was riding you really hard. Yeah. Now, uh, musician, you know, look, creative types with our egos sometimes, if you don't have your ego in check, that could have went a whole nother way. Oh, it hurts. Like, let me tell you what, it hurts. Yeah, expound on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll shed some light on the what my perspective's over the Nashville audition thing right after this, too. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, it hurts when you have a guy. Uh, here's the thing, too. People, people sleep on how good musicians all three guys in Rascal Flats are. Mm. Like, Jay, who is the p piano player and bass player, the black-headed uh, flat, Dude, he produces Chicago records. So when he wants an inversion, he he knows exactly. He's like, put this on the bottom. I want these these like it's not a game. And people sleep on it because, you know, pop country has got a reputation of the artist not having, you know, the chops of the musicians, really. Like, you can know, say it like it is. Um, but it ain't like that in that band. You know what I mean? Like, and I've always said, Rascal Flats doesn't need anybody. Those three guys can go out on an arena stage with an acoustic guitar and piano and play for 90 minutes and not need a soul. So anybody on that stage better bring it and is happy to be there. You know what I mean? Cause it's just a higher level. That's fun. Like when everybody's great, like I always say, I want to be the worst musician in the band. If I'm the worst musician in the band. It's going to be a good gig. We're going to have a good time. You know what I mean? Learning so much. Yeah. It's going to be going to be good. So now back to the, the cattle call thing. I think a lot of that has gone away with the fact that, and I can only speak for the Southeast and Nashville and stuff, but like the fact that now labels will just get online when an artist needs a guitar player and just look at numerics. And I think that's cool in some instances. And I think it doesn't work in others in an instance where I think it works. Let's say you have an image that you want for your band. You want a female guitar player. Like that's the other thing. Keep your ego in check. If they're looking for, uh, you know, like a soulful James Brown, you know, all black band, I know that I'm not in the running. Like I got the beard and it's like, hey, man, that don't hurt my feelings. You know what I mean? If Michael Jackson is looking for a female guitar player, I don't have a chance. I can't play good enough to be a female. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So keeping your ego in check there yeah. and then looking at it from the label side, they're looking for an image. They're building a brand and that brand has to walk on stage with Gwen Stefani. That's what they're after. So in that instance, you can go through Instagram and your, your hot guitar players and be like, ooh, they look good on stage. Let's get them in a room. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing because it helps. You have to keep in mind, you got to look at it from the label side, from the producer side, from the artist side, the hiring, the people that are cutting the check. You know, Respect that because you could be there one day. That's right.
you could have a great career as a session player and then end up like Dan Huff and now you're the producer and now the label's calling you to ask you who we need to get to hire to play on the, the road gig. Mm-hmm. So always respect the fact that there's another perspective and they're looking for something specific. Where I don't think social media works <laughs> is basing something on, well, they've only got 5,800 subscribers. You know, Are they really what we're looking for? And I'm just like, yo, Brent Mason's played on more number one singles than he has followers. So just don't, don't trip, <laughs> don't trip <laughs> because, you know, you don't, you know, it's like some people just may not pursue social media, That's you know, right. and you can inflate the numbers. Like we live in an era of Kardashianification <laughs> where you can buy your followers and do the things and, and you can inflate your numbers. And I and like inf- that. I like yeah. that verb you just created. <laughs> I didn't create it. That's from Bonamassa. And I don't even know if he created it. I think that's, that's like, I don't think anybody gets to claim that at this point. I, I like that verb you just used. Thanks. Bonamassa. Just used, yeah. <laughs> so, but that's the reality. Yeah. And in today's world, I don't think it works when you judge somebody's playing from an Instagram clip because I've seen Instagram clips where my mind is blown. And then in the corner of the video, the guitar doesn't have an input jack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, I'm just implying that, you know, there's plenty of miming. There's plenty of playing alongs. There's plenty of people playing something that has been recorded and they're playing too. So it's like, I don't think it works there. You have to get the cat in the room with the artist. Sure. You know what I mean? You have to hear his amp. That amp sounds different than this amp, than that amp, and this amp. And like, depending on which gig I need to go to, I need to make sure I've got the right, bringing the right thing to the job. You know what I mean? And so all of that goes together. And so sometimes social media is amazing and it can help you get gigs. It has helped me get gigs. It's helped me expand. On other times, it's not amazing because there's, there is artificial things. Yeah, hyperbole. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Photoshop is real. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, perfect. You can't hate the game. That's just, yeah, it is. It is. But you said the magic word, the B word brand. And, and if the label is building the brand, then you have to respect that. But you also said this too, and I love this and listen up folks, build your own brand. Now is the perfect time to do it. And it, it's so funny because I'm building the brand with the career musician and nomad, and I've been working on it. And you know what? I might be making mistakes. I'm sure I'm making mistakes. I don't even have a lot of followers. I'm learning, I'm building, and guess what? I'm doing it organically. And when I look at Andy's sites, when I go to andywoodmusic.com, I got to give it to you, brother. Kudos. You've built your brand. You've done it well. And it's there. The brand is tried and true. And don't get all you listeners out there who are aspiring and really want to, quote unquote, make it or get on in the business. Don't get upset. Don't get jealous. Don't get anxious. Don't get bitter. Just get to work. Just do the work. Just do work. You know, I, I made a, I made tons of mistakes coming up. I'll make plenty of more before I die. Yep. You know, that's just the nature of it. You can't bat a thousand. That's right. You just want to keep your RBI really high. You know what I mean? Keep keep it high. <laughs> and when I think about branding, this is the thing everyone needs to keep in mind too. There is a point where your brand will be more powerful than the gig. Amen. And I'm uh, very blessed to say that now I'm at a point where I only take the gigs that I want to. Yes. I don't have to take, I don't have to take the 200, uh, 200 dates a year you know, grind tours. Not that there's not good money there, but you're never home. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the thing. Um, but now I can take the, the, the gigs that I want and, uh, take the tours that I want. And then it, and then when I'm not doing that, it's like, man, I have the choice to just work on my own stuff 
And it's like, that's what I want to work on. Like we've had a great year, some really cool product development. The, the signature SIRS are back ordered for nine months and wow. the Wampler gearbox pedal that we just did and the Sir Woodshed comp pedal. Like I'm really proud of the product lines we've done and, and those are killing it. And those open opportunities. That's another lane It's like, now it's like you develop a product. It's like, yeah, man, you've got an opportunity to go do clinics, promote that product. And, and, and again, you have to build your own brand if you want to do that, because what are you going to go do? Go play color covers at a, at, you know what I mean? It's like, if you're going to go, promote yourself have your own tunes have your own sound you've got to be your own thing you know what i mean it's like you don't want to hear you go see eric johnson you want to hear cliffs dover you know what i'm saying it's like that's why you're there baby you know yeah you don't want to hear him play a cover an eddie van halen cover yeah exactly like it's a it's a treat when a guy like that does a cover like that's a special hendrix cover like i've heard him do like spanish castle stuff. it's like it's a treat to get that you know what I mean? But you're there for like, you know, Desert Rose and Highlanders and Manhattan and all the signature EJ tunes. Like that's why you're there. That's the thing. That's the magic. And so if you build your brand strong enough, that dependence on the artist gig and the studio sessions becomes less. And that's a very great place to be because you could be working for a female artist and be making fat money. And all of a sudden she's like, I want to have a baby. We're not going to tour for a year and a half. And you're just like, Oh snap! <laughs> or right, or not to not to get too dark, but like COVID can happen that none yeah. of us plan on. Hey, now nobody's touring. Now Live Nation shut the door, like it's off, mm-hmm. and we're just now starting to creep back into it. And I, I, it's been interesting to watch because a lot of these people, from the biggest of the bigs, the Live Nations to the small little mom and pops venues, nobody will see it shut down again. So everybody's being real careful about how we get back into it you're but if your right. brand is strong you can weather the storm using the the tools at your disposal like you guys got to understand man twitter is free baby <laughs> instagram costs no dollar paper that's right you know right. and 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 you look at it if you're going to spend 10 grand on studio gear you better spend at least half that on your website that's right because what happens if the platform goes away nomad no my, hey, let me say this. MySpace. When's the last time any of y'all got on that thing? The platform went away. And now Facebook is looked at as like, oh, no, that's what mom and dad are on. I don't use Facebook. Guess what, man? None of those platforms are permanent. But your own domain, your own website, your own hub, as long as you pay the domain fee, that's yours. That's, amen and that's powerful, that. dude. That is powerful. I love that. So there, see, I, and I am, I'm a true believer in delegation and bringing people on your team and in your camp and paying them for what they're really good at. Value so, them. You value that $5,000 less, Paul, don't you? This yeah. is just another tool. That's right. That's right. You got to love it. So, wow, Andy, you've said so many, you've had so many great little nuggets of wisdom here and from your own experience. I love it. It's perfect. Uh, you know, and this is a little different for me. I, I've been thinking about this. I've never posted on you. We have a YouTube channel, The Career Musician, and we only post the audio versions of the uh, interviews. But I would like to post this video because we did some noodling around. And I, w- I want to ask, are you down to do a jam? Yeah, I don't know how we can do it with latency, but I'll try my best. <laughs> I'll play in and out of the pockets, you know. Uh, so uh, one, one more thing, though. Uh once again, everybody can find you at andywoodmusic.com and the Patreon slash Andy Wood Music, yep. right? Yep. Uh, anything else you'd like to say about, you know, 
um, you kind of just did, you know, success, words of wisdom to those aspiring to get to where you are. Just love it, man. That's the secret. If if you don't love it like that, then then you don't have to chase it as a career. Don't feel pressured. But yeah. if you're in it for the long haul, you got to make sure that you stay inspired. And the best way to do that is play your favorite songs, man. Don't forget that like the reason you picked up guitar was Crazy Train. You know what I mean? Or like whatever, or whatever, or My Girl. You know what I mean? And for me, it's fiddle tunes. Like if I start feeling bad, man, I just go back. I go back to where I came from, you know what I mean? I and, and and like and that keeps me kind of grounded, you know, in, in all of it. And and like, you know, like the Van Halen thing. When a guy asked me the other day on Patreon, I was like, I don't know how to tell you to do this. Let me do it in real time. Let me show you how I practice in real time. <laughs> so I've just opened up right now, started transcribing. You know what I mean? I love it. I love that man. Wow. gentlemen shredder to the stars and himself mostly <laughs> uh okay so you know what there's some cool apps out there i'm sure some people watching and listening are like oh man you got to get what what do you use do you use zencaster or conecaster there's so many different ones have you heard of different ones to jam sure. with oh for, for for jamming with man for streaming and jamming yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I haven't done any of the the streaming and jamming. I, the only time I ever do it is when I'm controlling it all on my end. And when I'm using it on my end, I'm a pretty hardcore UA guy. So shout out to my Universal Audio family. Um, 
love what they do. And I use console, you know, like when you use the Apollo, you have the digital console, it comes yeah. up on the computer. I use that into loopback. And loopback allows me to send you, um, you know, like actual, like, you know. So you're hearing my direct tone. You're hearing like my real tone. You know what I mean? Ah, it does. Oh, yeah. So I can, I, I, like right now I'm using my head into a UA aux and then I've got an amp switcher over here. So if all these amps were on, I could just not have to go unplug anything. Right. I could just flip through and just be like, oh, here's the diesel. Boop. And you would hear it. And it's all direct. Yeah. So you can get everything with like all the effects and stuff. Nice. I love it. Is that the Rogue Amoeba loopback? Um, yes, that's it. That's the one. And, and so it's worth it to get the $100 one, and then you can just draw the line for any output that you want to go to the, the input. It's amazing. I love it. Okay. That's good so like when I want different cabinets, I just flip through on the aux, whatever cabinet I might be interested in at that moment. Uh, yeah. But it sounds great. You know, sounds really good does does bro this has been fantastic man kudos to you once again i'm excited for your uh your camp so i'll make sure that we blast that you know good stuff man i'm stoked i i love all your stuff i just love watching and listening to what you're doing ah uh, thank you bro it's a delight to to catch up with you absolutely same here brother thank you so much all right brother i'll talk to you soon all right we'll be in touch